You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Thursday night, I, uh, I was invited last minute to come out to the Unashamed Tour here in Houston, which is a, a tour of Christian rappers like Andy Minio, Lecrae, KB, Gavi, uh, 1K Few, and a bunch of other guys that, um, if you're not into that scene, you may, you may not know them all, but really popular and really cool, great music. And it's all because of my friend, Tim, uh, who plays guitar for them. And when he texted me, he didn't just invite me to let, him, let me know, hey, I'm, I'm playing tonight. Do you want to come out and buy a ticket? Because I'd probably go, uh, I think I'm busy. This was, hey, I have a VIP pass for you. You can go backstage. We can go hang out in the dining room. Uh, we can go hang out in the tour bus after the show. You can come and meet some of the guys. Um, are, are you available? Do you want to come out? Yes, I will be there. And I got there, he handed me the pass, he got all the stuff and I was able to, you know, we went backstage and we walked through everything and there are all these ropes barricading everyone else, keeping everyone else away from the stage and away from Lecrae, away from Andy, away from everybody except me. I'm walking around the ropes, standing in front of people who waited there for hours. Um, one kid was yelling, mister, mister. I said, yay, buddy. Are you gonna stand there the whole time and block my view? Because you asked, no, I'll go block someone else. And I, I moved to, to another area. It was amazing. I was in front of the ropes, backstage, in the dining room, eating the food that was there for Lecrae and everybody else. All because I had a sticker on my pass, big bright orange sticker that had one word at the bottom and big bold letters, family. No one bothered me. Security guards got, got out of the way for me and let me pass. I got on buses, hung out, talked to everybody. No one stopped me because of that one word written on me, family. Beloved, Jesus wants us to see that our Father in heaven doesn't want us to keep a safe distance from him as we talk to him, as we pray to him, because you are family. Because you have full access to your father. When you have company come over to your house, either maybe people from church, people from work, neighbors, they don't get full access to the house, do they? What rooms do they get to see? Living room, kitchen, playroom, backyard. They don't get to, not everyone gets to see the master bedroom. Why? That's where we hide everything when people come over. But who gets full access to the master bedroom, to the, all the kids' rooms, to, to the closets, and to all the other areas of the house without any planning, without any coordination? Family. Not always in-laws. Your immediate family, kids, spouse. And what Jesus wants us to realize, children barge in to areas of our life all the time. And the Father invites you, barge in. Ask, seek, knock. And I think one of our hindrances in, in praying right now is that we have, we have to get rid of our wrong thoughts about God, all of us. And one of the ways we think wrongly about God is a way that we think rightly about God, that God is massive. 
God is massive. He is other than. He is lofty. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is no one and nothing else like the Trinity and nature and power and purpose and and heart. But don't let your big theology of God keep you away from God. Don't interpret the bigness of God as a standoffishness from God. Some of us think God doesn't want to hear us pray. He's too busy. He's got big stuff going on, universes and stuff. He's got real, there are people with real issues, not mine. No, you are his child. That's why you can talk to God. As I said earlier, this is the second time in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus talks about praying. That's not insignificant. Why do you think that is? Why do we repeat things to our children? Do you hear me? Put your socks in the hamper. My car is not an extension of your closet. Get your stuff out. I'm going to tell you again, get your water bottle for soccer. Let's go. Why do we repeat things? So they'll hear it and do it. So when Jesus says, you know, I need to talk about praying again. Because he wants to make sure we hear him because he knows we're going to have a hard time praying. He knows it. We see it with the disciples on the night Jesus is about to be betrayed by Judas. What is happening? Jesus says, will you guys pray with me? They're like, yeah, sure. They're out. And Jesus says what? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We want to pray. We desire to pray, but Jesus knows your body, your flesh, your heart, your mind, it's weak. He knows we're going to struggle with talking to our good, good father. And here's how we know this is true. Our own prayers prove it. How infrequent they are, how delinquent they are, how small, how half-hearted, how forgotten they are. I mean, think about the times you've been worried, you've been anxious, you've been restless, you've been sleepless, you've been wondering, confused, bothered, hurt, you need counsel. Is your initial reaction to talk to your Father in heaven? Or to pray? Or is it to talk to someone else first? Get a book, do a Google search. I firmly believe our problem isn't praying itself. Because praying is just talking to God. That's it, simply. Praying is talking to God. Everyone in this room is able to talk, minus the babies in the room. Everyone here is able to talk. We talk to each other about our worries, our fears, our concerns. Uh, We talk about what's going on at work, what's bothering us. We ask each other for advice. Because we talk to each other because we believe it's helpful. So, beloved, our problem isn't praying because our problem isn't talking. Our problem is how we view God. That's why we don't pray as we should. We can talk. The problem is how we view God. That's why we don't pray as we should. That's where Jesus wants to take us. And he gets us there through the long road of saying, here's how I want you to pray. Because asking, seeking, and knocking, that's going to put our real view of God on display. So Jesus says, ratchet up your requests. Look at verse 7. Ask, you should underline these three words and the progression of of the verse. Ask, we know that, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Do you see the progression? Ask, seek, knock. It's, It's ratcheting up. It's getting further. It's getting more intense, closer. 
You could view it as a chain of not giving up in prayer. We ask, and then we seek more, and then we knock. Or you could view it as a launching pad into the kind of intensity of, of praying. Sometimes it's just a straight request that we bring to God. Father, I need wisdom for this meeting coming up. Would you help me? Just ask. Father, my kids are driving crazy. Would you please let there be a parking spot up close at HEB? And my mother used to do that all the time. I remember we'd be in the car, elementary school, and she'd pray, and there'd be one. She'd go, see, Lord answers prayer, Jeffrey. And I remember going, oh, please, you think God cares about that? She, she was right, he does care. Ask. Then we go, sometimes, sometimes we go right to seeking. It's longer, it's more, it takes more time. Father, what do I do about this? I'm confused. I, I don't know what to pray about. Then we pray about it that day. We pray about it tomorrow. And we keep looking. It's more drawn out. And then other times it's immediate, urgent. I, I need an answer. I want an answer now, God, knocking. Father, I'm praying for healing now. Uh, Father, save this person I'm about to share the gospel with now. Father, deliver them now. It's more intense. I think we should have both views of the progression, asking, knock, and then sometimes just asking and seeking, and then sometimes just knocking. We have this progression in our culture of communications, don't we? What's the simplest, easiest, lowest form of communication between human beings? Texting. Asking is the form of texting and prayer. Real quick. God, I, just need, I need this. Please help me. Answer. And what's after that? The phone call. That's a big jump in our culture. Our phones are not phones. Rarely are they used for phones. When do, we, when do we call each other? When we're driving, when it's too much to text, and we got to talk it out. We, we want to hear each other's voice. It's, it's too much. It's too serious. It's inappropriate to text even. And, but sometimes we think, you should have just texted me. Why did you call me? You could have totally texted me that. Some of us have friends. They're the calling friend. We wish they texted more. Our father doesn't think that about us, though. And sometimes, from the text to the call, what's the next big crazy jump in our culture? Knocking. Looking in each other's faces. This is the jump now. It's the same jump for Jesus. Here, ask, seek, knock. Imagine someone comes to your house unannounced. Like, and they just come and ask you, hey, are you going to be uh, free for dinner tomorrow? You could have texted me. What kind of creep just shows up knocking? Asking these kinds of questions. People that are really close. You welcome the knocking of some people. You welcome the pop-in of family members. People that have grown children, they love the pop-in. People with grandkids love the pop-in. People that you're really good friends with, you don't mind the popping in. And what Jesus is saying is God loves for you to pop into. Knock away. He's not annoyed. He welcomes it. Our Father in heaven welcomes you. Ask him what you want. Don't think he's not able. Seek. Keep going to him. Don't give up. Knock. You don't have to schedule a meeting with him. He's not going to tell you you're trespassing. When I have to go to my neighbor's house and knock on their door, and we, we, we got to talk about our fence. You know, our fence is falling, and it's one of those fences that's like, good side, bad side, good side, bad side. And so we like share it. So I got to go talk to him about it. And I just feel like when I go over there, I feel like I'm trespassing. 
I don't belong. It's like when you cross that part of the yard, he hasn't done anything, but just in my psyche, I knock on his door. It just feels like I don't belong here. That's not how we are with our Father. Jesus is saying, you do belong here. Because of my cross and because of my resurrection and my righteousness given to you, knock away, the door is open. Our Father has an open door policy with us. And when I, when I work from home, either on sermons or other things that I'm studying, and my door is shut, and my kids come up to those French doors, and I look up and I see them, and they smile, and they make a face like, can I come in? Or they even knock. I don't shoo them away. No matter what I'm working on. Come in. What do you need? Can you fix the Xbox? All right, let's go. Can I have chocolate milk? If you can make it, you can have it. How about ice cream sandwich? You're pushing it. Don't tell your mother. Go have an ice cream sandwich. And this is what Jesus wants to show us. Verse 8, look. For everyone who asks, receives. You get it. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. This is amazing. This is what's so unbelievable about prayer. Jesus says, I want you to really believe and realize the realness of this. This is insanity. It feels like almost make-believe. That the true God, the one who spoke everything into existence out of nothingness, everything you comprehend, oxygen molecules, DNA, meteorites, all of it. The one who existed in eternity past as just father, son, and spirit, fully content in himself, who gives us life and breath because of his kindness and mercy. He now looks at us and says, what do you want? Ask away. Talk to me. I love to hear from you. Do you realize how difficult it is to meet with a really important or famous person? It is insanely difficult. You can't just call the White House and talk to the president. You can talk to a Starbucks manager. You can walk into Starbucks and say, hey, I'd like to talk to manager. I'd like to talk to assistant manager, shift supervisor. It's going to happen. You can walk into Kohl's. I like to talk to manager. You go to Lupe, they come to your table. Manager, how was the food? Because the less famous, the less authoritative, less important someone is in the world, the easier they are to access. But the more important, the more famous, the more powerful, it is impossible to get easy access to them, but not with God. He says, talk to me. I'd love to hear from my children. But we don't do it. We often think prayer is a psych from God. You know what I mean by psych? I love psyching kids out in the church. It happens all the time. Go to give them a high five. Psych! I love it. Fake out. You don't get it. We think prayer is a psych from God. Ask yeah, right. I'd like I'm going to give you anything. You got to earn it. Seek good luck. You're not going to find it. Knock. Yeah, go ahead. Wear out your knuckles. It's not happening. Prayer is not a psych from God. The prayers of faith in the risen Christ are not a fake out from him. 
Ask and Jesus, it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. Jesus really wants us to believe that when you pray, you do not go unnoticed. Do not believe that. Don't believe your prayers are not going past the ceiling. Don't believe that your Father in heaven doesn't hear you. I'm really amazed at us human beings, me included. As a pastor, I, I hear things going on in people's lives. And we talk and counsel and I ask them, have you talked to God about this yet? No, I didn't even think about that. Big decision, big life choice, confession of sin, anything. I, have you talked to God about this yet? No. Why? Jesus wants it to be our reaction, our, our, our reflex when your knee gets hit, that it would go forward. When you have a question, you're wondering, you have a request, that it would go forward to God. See, beloved, this is what Jesus is talking about. The reason we don't pray is because we don't think God is actually good enough. We, we know that we know God is good. We know that we should know God is good. We know that we should know God answers prayer. We know that we should know God will provide, but we don't actually believe it. And here's why. Because prayer is theology in action. Prayer really is theology in action. Not the books on your shelves. Not the Bible studies you've done. Not even the songs you sing. Not even the websites you read, the, the pastors you like to podcast. None of that. Your prayers actually show what you believe about God and the absence of them shows what you really believe about God. I love this section from Jesus. It's, it's gotta be one of my top five sections in the Bible. Look at, look at verse nine. Jesus makes a scenario for us, illustrating. So who among you? Now remember, ask, seeking, knocking. Who among you? If a son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? What's the obvious answer? No, of course we wouldn't do that. If, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your own children, how much more will your Father in heaven could give gifts to those who ask him? This is an awesome section from Jesus. It's meant to make you chuckle. Jesus is a hilarious person. I believe that with 100%. I'm more sure of, I'm not, I'm so sure of it. There you are in your backyard doing some work. Kid comes up to you. Mom, dad, I'm hungry. Can I have a PB&J? Sure. You go inside, two pieces of bread. And you put a rock in between. Here you go. Would you do that? Jesus says, no, you wouldn't. You know how to answer requests. You know how to provide. Unless you're a moron. Oh, I thought you wanted a rock sandwich. No. <laughs> Unless you despise your kid, you can have coal. No. So what's Jesus telling us? Beloved, our father isn't a moron. He knows what he's doing. And he doesn't despise you. You love your kids and you're imperfect. You know how to give them what they are asking, what they need. How much more do you think your father can give you what you need, what you ask? And he goes to a piece of fish. They ate a lot of fish in their culture. Dad, can we have fish sticks? It's gotta be fish sticks. None of us are like catching fish and frying it that day. 
What parent turns around and goes, sure, bud, here's a live rattlesnake. Go ahead. No. Oh, it's just a garden snake. Take it. No. See, there's a difference. The stone was just, that's strange. And not even in the ballpark of what I'm asking for. But the snake, what is the snake always a symbol of? The serpent in the garden, Satan. And now the snake's dangerous. The rock can't hurt you, maybe it cracks some teeth, but the snake kill you. Evil, danger. Jesus says you would never, a loving parent would never on purpose give something harmful to their kid to hurt them, put them in danger, to give them something evil, to torture them. No parent would do that. And what does Jesus say in verse 11? Look at 11. So we know that's true, how, how we would give things to our kids, 11. If you then, and look at what Jesus just subtly says, if you then, who are evil, by the way, don't miss that sleight of hand from Christ. He excludes himself from this little moment too. Not if we who are evil, something they tell you in seminary and when you're preaching and teaching, doing Bible studies, include yourself. You know, if we believe, if we do, Jesus says, I'm gonna pause here. You guys are evil. Not me. I'm God in the flesh. But all of you parents, all of you out there that are evil, wicked sinners. And you know how to give good gifts to your kids. You wouldn't give them a rock. You wouldn't give them a poisonous reptile. So how much more? Look what Jesus says. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See what Jesus is doing? If you want to change the way you think about praying and you actually want to change the way you pray, Jesus says the answer is change the way you see God. Don't guilt yourself into praying more. Don't read more biographies about people that prayed more and so you feel guilty about not praying enough. Jesus says, you want to change the way you pray? Change the way you think about our Father in heaven. Change the way you think about the Almighty. He did the same thing two sermons ago, two weeks ago, didn't he? About worry and anxieties and fears about life. What did Jesus say? Look at the birds and the flowers. God cares for them, clothes them, feeds them. And aren't you more valuable than birds? Don't you matter more to God than the lilies of the field? See, Jesus does it again. He doesn't give you tips and tricks for how to handle your anxiety and worry. He changes the way you think about God. Jesus doesn't give us tips and tricks for how to pray better. No, change the way you think about God. Because our view of God plays out in real time in our prayers. Real time. But you really believe. Jesus says God gives good things. Our Father gives good things to those who ask. Always has, always will. Ask away. He wants you to be confident. Two things. Confident and comfortable in prayer. So ask away. But notice what Jesus didn't say. This is, this is key. Or you'll be frustrated. Notice what Jesus didn't say. Look at the passage again. Look at verse nine. Who among you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? No, you wouldn't give him a stone. But does he say you'll get the bread? No. He just, you won't get a stone. Who among you asks for, 
If your son asks for fish, we give him a snake? No, you wouldn't give him a snake. But it doesn't say you give him the fish. He says, and how much more? You give good things. So Jesus says, he doesn't say, you'll always get the bread. He's saying, you just won't get a stone. He didn't say you'll always get the fish. You just won't get a snake. Jesus doesn't say God the Father will always give what you ask. That's what idiotic prosperity teaching says. We might ask for bread, but you're not gonna, you may not get it. You might get pasta. Pasta's good too. Ask for fish? No, you're not gonna get a snake. You're not gonna get something harmful. God's not gonna turn around and give you something evil just to mess with you. God doesn't operate out of spite. God's not looking to harm his, his children. So you ask for fish, you're not gonna get a snake. You might get chicken. I get shrimp. I get steak. Upgrade. That's better. Look at what Jesus says. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things? Good things to those who ask. Who gets these things? This is huge. Those, who are the those? Those who ask. Not those who are elite this is how we think about answered prayer. Not those who have been Christians for a long time. Not those who read the Bible a lot. Not those who have been missionaries. Not those who are pastors. Not those who are prayer warriors. Not, not those who have been superheroes in spiritual life. No, just those who ask. If you are in Christ, you can ask, you can receive. Just those who ask. Those who can talk. Those who will talk to God can receive good things from God. Well, what are those good things? That's a big thing we want to know. What are the good things? We would love for that to be spelled out, wouldn't we? But Jesus doesn't spell it out. He leaves it vague, I think, for a reason. It's different for all of us. We could think it's maybe it's good things from the Sermon on the Mount, like holiness and righteousness and uh, the kingdom, churches in heaven. Maybe it's things promised in the Bible, like joy and love and salvation and mercy. In Luke's version of this account, he says, how much more will the, our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So the fruit of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. Whatever it is, Jesus says it's good. You will get good things. It may not be the bread. It may not be the fish, but you will get good things from the Father. And listen, We've all had to fake like a Christmas or birthday present, haven't we? Every single one of us in this room, this is the human experience. It's one of the joys of being a human. You get a terrible gift from your grandparents, a terrible gift from that weird uncle, a terrible gift from your parents. And what do you have to do? Oh, a cookbook. If they repeat the name of the gift, it's, it, you've failed. That's standard social protocol. Oh, a sweater. Oh, a kale recipe book. <laughs> but listen, God only gives good gifts. And that you must believe. God only gives good gifts to his children. And we don't believe that. 
Because we can look at our lives and go, what about that? I don't like that. What about this? I don't understand that. Well, here's part one that we have to know. Your story's not over yet. Point number two, when have we ever been the best judge of what is good in this world? We are not reliable guides for what is good. Rewind the tape. Since the Garden of Eden, we thought that fruit looked good. And ever since then, our eyeballs have been on the fritz. Cain thought it would be good to kill his brother. Abraham thought it would be good to lie about Sarah. She's actually my sister, not my wife. Samson thought this whole Delilah scenario would be really good for him. David thought Bathsheba would be good for him. We could go over our own lives. Do you see? The disciples thought it'd be good. No, Jesus, you shouldn't be crucified. This is, they think they're doing a good thing. No, Peter, no, no, don't, don't do that. What does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Peter's not a good judge of what is good. We are not good assessors of what is good, but you know who is? God. He has never done you wrong. And he will never do you wrong. In fact, the scriptures promise he works all things together for good. At some point, in some way, that you can trust. He is making all sad things untrue. He is making all things new, as the book of Revelation promises us. This is what Tolkien calls the great eucatastrophe, where he takes the word catastrophe, which is horrible, destruction, and awful, and he adds the, the Greek prefix good to it. A good catastrophe, which what seems horrible and awful, but in the end, it winds up being the best thing that could actually happen the resolution in our stories that we've all been leaning in and looking forward to. And it's all bottled up in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, where it is a catastrophe. It's the end of our sin, the end of the reign of Satan over our lives. It's the end of his life on the cross. But then it is good when he rises from the dead and weaves all of us back into him when he came back to life, bringing forgiveness and joy and new life for eternity. And how is it described as the gift of God unto salvation for all who believe? God gives good gifts. And so God becomes your father through that gift of Christ, through his death and coming back to life. And the Bible says that every spiritual blessing we have in Christ, it's all because of Jesus. Every good and perfect gift, James tells us, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shifting shadow or variation with him. Jesus is the greatest gift we've received from the Father. And the book of Romans tells us, if he's given him up for us all, will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He's given us the greatest gift imaginable, and now we think God's going to get cheap on us? Now we think God's going to get stingy? Now we think God's going to get a little picky with the blessings he gives. Paul says, no. Talk to your father in heaven. 
join us tonight at the elder-led prayer meeting. This is one reason why I, I believe that we don't really think God is as good as we think he is. And this is true of a lot of churches like ours. You add up the attendance. If you took the average of our prayer meeting attendance over here, and you added up the attendance at women's Bible study, men's Bible study, bigger numbers, smaller numbers. Why? Because we don't believe rightly about God in praying. You take Sunday morning numbers, prayer meeting numbers. Ask. Seek. Knock. Let's pray for each other. Asking things of God together. Seeking things together. Knocking together. Why? Because what word is written on us in Christ? Family. That's what's written on you and me in Christ. And now we have full access to the Father. We can go backstage to the throne room where our brother's interceding for us, where the Spirit empowers us, where we hear Jesus praying for us. And that's what family does. So let's talk to the Father now. Let's pray. As we go to the Father in, in, in praying, pray now. The thing that is on your heart, that's on your mind, the thing that you've been wishing about, that you've been mulling over, you've been wondering, whatever it is, and you realize, I haven't even talked to God about this yet. Do it now. Ask him now. Seek him now. Knock now. Thing that's been weighing you down. Ask God now. The worries you have, seek Him now. The good thing you've been wanting to ask God for, ask Him now. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.